needs must, people still needed to deal with their finances. So we saw the uptake of online challenger banks um, absolutely skyrocketing. I think it was something like six million people download a digital banking app in the first six weeks of COVID. Welcome to the Brave Bold Brilliant podcast. I am here with Sarah Williams-Gardner, who is the CEO of Fintech Wales, and we are here at Wales Tech Week, aren't we? So we are live, live at Wales Tech Week. Nice to see you, Sarah. Um, lovely to see you. Thank you for asking, and thank you for actually doing this on location. <laughs> the exciting journey down the M4 <laughs> to get here. But um, no, it's, it's really great to see just so much energy downstairs. I mean, we found a quite little space to actually record this, but downstairs is an absolute buzz of activity. Absolutely, yeah, on? absolutely. And I think it's just, it just um, epitomises what Wales has to offer. And we talk about it and people who have been in my company, my team, they know I'm going to say it at some stage, we need to be much louder and prouder about what we have here in our region, what's being developed in our valleys, what's being quietly um, fed into many systems, both in the UK and globally. There are some phenomenal hidden secrets um, in Wales. So Wales Tech Week is a phenomenal opportunity just to showcase the breadth of what we have, where we are at the forefront of technology. We've just heard um, from uh, Daniello, who's been talking to us about AI. Um, you know, this is this is where we need to go. We need to embrace this. Of course, there will be good, bad, and indifferent. But this conference is about showing the breadth, and it's. Um, taking the Welsh out of their comfort zone. It's um, breaking that pathological modesty we have about keeping our best secrets to ourselves, so actually showcasing them on the global stage. And that's what FinTech Wales is all about. So FinTech Wales, which is a members body and was started by the FinTechs here in Wales almost five years ago now, was started to give those businesses a voice to give them a voice not only in their region, not only in the UK, but also on that global stage because they had solutions and products and services that were making a difference to how people live their lives. And so giving them that voice um, and also just giving them that opportunity to be together. FinTech Wales is about being convening, it's about convening groups of people, it's about creating conversations, and it's about encouraging collaboration. Mm. So to be here with the rest of the tech sector is where we want to be, because FinTech cannot exist on its own. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, this is you were, before we were doing a little walk around. You were saying this is the first in-person event, and you've done. You've obviously through COVID, you, you know, you did online versions, but to be so physically in the room. Together. This is the first Wales Tech Week in person. Yes. FinTech Wales. Um, for anyone who's listening, if they don't know about us, we hold events on a weekly basis that are in person. Okay. Um, yeah. So, but, but obviously through COVID, everybody had to adapt. Um, and our industry was an industry that really took off um, in COVID. Needs must, people still needed to deal with their finances. So we saw the uptake of online challenger banks 
um, absolutely skyrocketing. I think it was something like six million people download a digital banking app in the first six weeks of COVID. So our industry has really shown its value to people who previously might have just gone about their lives in a normal way. Mm, you're absolutely right. And you talk about um, sort of disrupting the sector and your early years at Starling um, as one of the founded, founding members of the team, weren't you? Talk about that a little bit, um, that part of your journey, as well as all the great things that you're going to touch on with, uh, with FinTech Wells. Yeah, of course. Well, look, my career has been in tech right from way back. Um, and a lot of my career has been influenced by the people I know, the conversations I've had, um, and just saying, yeah, I'll give that a go. Um, so the, the opportunity at Starling was very, very similar. Uh, it was founded by an amazing lady called Anne Bowden. She and I had um, known each other beforehand. We ended up having a coffee and she was excitedly telling me about what she wanted to build. Uh, and then looked at me and said, do you want to be on the bus? Um, <laughs> and so I, I had the opportunity of joining that founding team. Uh, and four and a half years later was still there, um, then deciding maybe it was time to um, retire. The one thing you'll get through this is I'm really bad at retiring. I've retired twice and now I'm in a full-time job. So, um, so yeah, being, being part of that was uh, super exciting. Our mission was about making money um, accessible to all, helping more people manage their money more sort of productively and for their own greater good. And that's something that sort of runs through a lot of my values. Fairness is the strongest value that I have. And I think that everybody should have access to the same opportunities, be that their banking system or education, you can go across the breadth of it. But I think what we've seen in technology, and actually we touched on it already, what we're going to see in this revolution with general AI, which is going to come after generative AI, is it's going to democratise things a lot more. Now we need to balance those. There will be governments and policies that will need and rules and regulations that will need to be put into place. But I think this will democratise things for a wider element of society even more. Mm. And, and a lot of your career, because I was looking at your um, very impressive bio in terms of what you've done in, in, in throughout your, your time, and you've done a lot of roles that have got either philanthropy or fairness or, you know, really helping the world be a more equal place. And so where does that come from? Because that is a common thread through your career that I sort of spotted, even just from looking at the, the different organisations you're involved in. Um, that's, a, that's a very good question. One that I've never been asked, and I really am not sure. Mm. I, do, I don't know where it comes from, but it is very rooted in me. Mm. Um, but that said, I think, you know, not everyone will always agree with what I say, what I do, or the way that I do it. So although my intentions will always be very genuine and very um, well-intended, not everyone will take you that way. Um, so yeah, where does that come from? My mother was a nurse. Um, my father was initially in sort of accounting, but more latterly in 
um, in the community. Uh, so maybe I've got those things from my um, from my parents. Yeah, often it's often um, like you say when you look back and you think, oh, that's interesting. Where did you know where where has this kind of come from? And it's often you know the start we had in life, isn't it? You know the values that we've had from our parents or situations that we've been in. So um, yeah, but it's it's it having met you for the first time now, even before we met, I was like looking, I was thinking, oh, that's interesting thread, you know, throughout all of your, your roles. And you're, you're doing some amazing things. You know, you are an interim CEO at Hope for Children. And you have Fair for All Finance in the early days of that being set up. The trustee of surviving economic abuse. I've got to refer to my notes because there's a lot here. Bigger Bounce, which is all about breast cancer, and then Business Beats Cancer in Wales as well. So, I mean, yeah. those are just a few of the amazing things that you do, as well as your full-time CEO role. Um, so, so of those, you know, what, where are you spending your time from a sort of more giving back perspective at the moment, as well as what you're doing from a CEO of FinTech Wales perspective? Um, well, I think in my, in my day job, um, the thing that I find uh, most rewarding is being able to coach and mentor. Mm. Um, I have the most amazing uh, team that work with myself directly, but we also have great support from our board and our panel of advisors. So we're in this really fortunate position that we can work with people and encourage them to, to grow in their careers, take bolder steps, mm. um, to be a little bit braver. And that, that gives me a huge amount of satisfaction. So that is um, something that you know drives me. Um, but also, I think the other things that I do in my life, and we were having this conversation just before we talked um, talked earlier. So, uh, is that I have had cancer. I had two years of my life affected by that. Um, brilliant. Uh, treatment, NHS and research that we have these days. And again, this is where AI and some of these tools and technologies are only going to make this um, advance faster. But that was a defining moment in my life. I'm very pleased to sit here now and say that was 12 years ago. Um, and it picked the wrong person and we beat it. I beat it, my family beat it, and the people who were with me and supported me through that because these are not journeys you do on your own. Um, but that's most probably been quite an informant in the way that I decide to give my time. Um, I want more people to have the confidence and the support going through that. I want the research to become even better. You know, we're 12 years on from my treatment, the treatment has improved amazingly such that the, the life survival chances for people are much higher. So that's, that's most probably informed certainly the last sort of 12 plus years of my life. But, um, but yeah, I think, you know, when you've been in business for a long time, and I've, I am quite old um, and knocking on retirement age, you've learned a lot of things. And I think it's, it's a huge privilege to be able to share those. Now, you don't have all of the answers. I think we have to be very open to the next generation. Uh, I, I really believe in reverse mentoring. Mm. I really believe in that for all parts of the diversity spectrum. Uh, you know, that's age, that's gender, that, all the way through. Um, we can learn so much when we listen to people. Uh, I ha have trained as a coach. 
um, based on neuroscience. I, I really believe that there is um, a lot of power in that. I think being empathetic and an empathetic leader is really important. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, never having been asked that question about where that weaves through my career, um, maybe you've helped me to frame it. So thank you. <laughs> You're very welcome. No, and like you say, you know, I mean, obviously you had your experience and thankfully, you know, 12 years on, here we, here we are sitting here and having a, a great conversation and you're, you know, you're in a good healthy position. So I think that's amazing because you talk about inspiring each other and supporting each other and giving advice you know there may be people listening to this or watching to this think, thinking oh my gosh i'm i'm in a similar situation now i've had a diagnosis i've had something you know that maybe some bad news that they're you know having to process um for you obviously you you got through that and you come through the other side and it's influencing what's important to you in your life what was the what was the biggest thing for you? Do you think during that time was it was it around the support network, the family? You know, how can people how I, can people move forward from from initially hearing some news like that? Do you think what was the big thing for you that helped most? Um, all of those things would have been really important. Mm -hmm. uh, the the phenomenal. Um, sort of uh, clinicians and doctors and amazing, amazing people. You know, we need to be so proud of our NHS. Now we've, we've become more appreciative because of COVID, um, but we, we are so privileged to have that. You know, we're sitting in Wales. This was where the NHS was um, sort of first thought of with, with, uh, with Bevan. So, you know, good Welsh people behind these brilliant um, ideas. Um, but actually, when I reflect on that, the one thing that really stuck with me is something that one of my children said. So my children were nine and 10 at the time. It was really important for me to keep positivity to them. So when you are um, feeling down, you've had chemo, you might have had surgery, you've lost your hair, and I went through all of that. Mm -hmm. um, and one of your children says to you, but mummy, it really doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what other people think. It's just the beautiful person you are inside. Now, that is so motivating. I have to take a breath, <laughs> but that's what you need. And I think, you know, we can use things like that in our lives with people that we work with, people that we, um, other sort of stakeholders in our professional um, career and also in our friends and family. And there will be times when you don't get on with everybody. And that's just fine. That's just absolutely fine. Um, so yeah, that's most probably one of the things that really, really drove me. Mm. And so when we are having a tough time, it's really what you are inside. And we're living in a world where social media, and we see it a lot, um, we see people being berated on social media. Now look, we've just, come off the weekend, the disappointing weekend, where Wales were knocked out of the uh, Rugby World Cup. I'm sorry, I have to get the rugby in there. Yes, absolutely. Um, but what we've seen, and it was actually, it was a comment, I was listening to the Good, Bad and the Rugby, the podcast, and it was a comment that James Haskell made, and he was um, actually appealing to people to stop being so unkind to Owen Farrell. Um, we have to think about how we speak in these social channels. 
we have to think about the impact that has on other people. Because not everyone will have the strength to say to them, well, it's just how I am inside. Um, I know what my feelings are and I know what I'm thinking. Nobody else can actually interpret that. Um, so I, I think we just need to be really mindful. I think mental well-being and mental health is something to be really respected. But I think we need to develop mental toughness and also an understanding that we, we just we just can't put these things out there. I happen to think that uh, Farrell did brilliantly um, yesterday. So see England going through. Even as a Welsh person, I'm terribly proud to see them there. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it was a weekend of, of, of rugby it was. and sport, wasn't it? It was. I don't want to date yeah. your no. um, date your podcast, but just to put <laughs> it out there, it was off that back of that weekend. Yeah, yeah. But the, but the, you know, the point is, I suppose, is around attitude to winning, attitude to how do you overcome when sometimes you don't win as yeah. well. That mental resilience, you know. So I think we can take a lot from you know what we see in sport, what we see in business. And apply in what we see from dealing with difficult personal situations. You know, how do we put our best selves out to the world in a way that is kind and a way that is is trying to do, make you know the world a better place, but at the same time, not compromise on who we are and our true values. You know, no. you said earlier, Sarah, that sometimes not everyone's going to like you. Not everyone's going to like what you say, and that's okay. Mm. Um, when you it takes a lot of confidence to get to get to that position. So, for for people who are newer in the workplace, mm. um, would my, would my eighteen year old self have thought that? Most probably not. Um, but I think as a as a world, we need to we need to learn to disagree agreeably. We need to have these conversations. Mm. I think it's extremely healthy. So, uh, so yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And, and I mean, I remember earlier in my career, you know, you, you really sweat the small things sometimes and you worry about, well, what will other people say? What will other people think? How am I dressing? Oh, my God, my accent. Oh, all this sort of stuff going on. And you're right. As you get older, you realise actually to focus on the things that are important. And if, if people don't like you or don't agree with you, that's okay, but let's have the conversations in the right way. Um, there's a great book actually called Fierce Conversations by Susan Scott. I don't know if you've, if you've oh, read I haven't that. read that one. I would highly recommend it, but uh, it is around having those tricky conversations that sometimes need to be had, yeah. but having them in a way that actually both sides are going to walk away feeling like you know, they've moved forward. And they understand. Yes. And I think it's just that understanding, isn't it? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Fantastic. So coming back to, to FinTech Wales then, because yes. I really want to understand and, and help people that are listening, how they can engage with you, what support FinTech Wales offers in a very practical way so that people can think, right, oh, actually, yeah, I need to get, I need to be part of this. Maybe talk us through that, Sarah. So FinTech Wales, which is a not-for-profit members organisation, it's made up by um, both fintechs, financial insurance, uh, financial services companies, insurance companies, and the newer insurtechs, which are pushing the boundaries. This is an organisation which also embraces other support services, whether it's legal services, accountancy services, that ensure that those or recruitment services to make sure that these these businesses thrive. So we're a very 
um, collaborative and open ecosystem. So that's the first thing to say, representing our members and not-for-profit. So what we aim to do and our North Star mission is that we are going to break that pathological modesty. We are on a mission to get Wales recognised on the global stage for its financial services fintech excellence. And we do that, as you quite rightly um, sort of steer me towards by providing uh, clear focused areas. We, we work on skills and talent um, and that's all the way from raising awareness in the sort of classroom and through education to coming out of that to retraining and upskilling people. Um, we also make sure that we widen where we can the interest for investors. So we spend time with the support of the Welsh Government, we spend time across the UK looking at those um, investors and making sure that they have a lens on what's happening in Wales. So investment and funding is really, really important. And our industry has seen a real recalibration of that. So back in 2021, if you had fin and tech in the title of your solution, you were likely to get lots of money thrown at you. That is not the case. We're having a recalibration. So again, that raises the importance of that part of the work that we do, uh, which is putting startups, coaching startups and putting them in front of investors um, and hoping that they actually succeed in their investment. Um, we also look to make sure that we build a community. So I said at the beginning, FinTech Wales is about um, convening, it's about creating conversations, and it's about encouraging collaboration. Um, and so we convene people, we look at the ecosystem, and we, we really build what we focus on which is that collaborative community and um, you know you talk about sport and we use that sporting analogy uh, fintechs in wales or brilliant startups are a little bit like the sort of the the early stage rugby teams that are scrappling around in the sort of muddy pitches on a sunday morning we need to find the talent on those to take them to the larger um, teams which will ultimately feed into our national teams which will ultimately feed into um, you know, in, in the rugby analogy sticking with it you know the the um, the lions um, and the you know the sort of barbarians and what have mm. you so so getting those um, getting those teams so we are contributing and collaborating to make team GB the very best we can now in fintech um, it, it the UK is around number two in the world for fintech. That is a small country punching above its weight. Um, and that can, that can only get better when all of the regions work together and we collaborate to be the very best that we can. Um, so that's the third part is the, is the community. The, the fourth part of what we do is we promote any business in Wales, um, we promote them through trade missions, we pr promote them through the world, we promote them through the social media we do, through the, um, the marketing that we do, but we promote these businesses so more people um, know about them. Because I suspect there's a lot of people who don't know that comparison was invented in Wales. Mm. No, exactly. So comparison, which was started by Confuse.com, and then we saw the um, Go Compare, Money Supermarket, Money Saving Expert. These were all businesses, either in North or South Wales, 
but started in Wales. So we need to just build on that. We've got um, great entrepreneurial spirit. I think that came from uh, the sort of initial starting and locating of Admiral Insurance here, some really innovative guys that started that team. Um, and they encouraged, intentionally or not, but encouraged an entrepreneurial spirit. And we've seen, you know, often need a real anchor company um, and you've seen the financial services build off of that. So Admiral landed in Wales 30 years ago and they've encouraged this huge growth. I mean, they were always um, uh, employer shareholder schemes right from day one. So again, quite forward thinking. We often think about John Lewis as being owned by its employees, but Admiral also had that 30 years ago. Um, so that very entrepreneurial uh, spirit is something that underlies the community that we have here. Mm, no, I think you're absolutely right. And, and I think what's interesting is a lot of this disruptive technology is often from just very smart individuals that are starting out in business. So they might be brilliant minds, but maybe not so used to dealing with the business side of things. Um, so how does how does FinTech Wales help bridge that gap in terms, I mean, does it come through the mentoring? Does it come through the connections, the combination of all of those four pillars? Um, to help those young entrepreneurs that have got amazing and technical innovations turn it into something that's actually going to have a voice and, and have an impact ultimately from a business point of view. Yeah, and there's some parts of that that we will play and there are some parts where there um, are other people in the ecosystem that mm. do that. So when we're talking about um, real ideation from either sort of real embryonic ideas or from academia um, and the commercialization, we are we are not the experts at that stage. We do know experts around that. Um, but what we what we will be able to do is to see some of those embryonic ideas and said there's organizations in Wales. You've got the Alacrity Foundation, which was started by Terry Matthews. We're here at the ICC. This is Terry Matthews um, you know, sort of conference center. Um, so the Alacrity Foundation will take some of those early stage ideas. We've seen the newly formed Cyber Innovation Hub, which again will take ideas from academia or very early to actually start to commercialize them. Where FinTech Wales um, will play its part in this ecosystem is once those ideas have been um, fleshed out, they've been, they've tested or, or gone through some of the early commercial models, um, we will give them the opportunity to come into the FinTech Wells foundry, which will really test their product market fit. Um, there's no point in being in a, in a dark room designing something if you don't test it with um, the potential marketplace. So product market fit, and we work with some brilliant people in the ecosystem who have specialization in that um, and then getting yourself ready for investment. So if you really have product market fit and you really have a client base out there, how are you going to raise those funds? How are you going to present yourselves to the investors? How do you know who those investors are? So we create some of that part of the ecosystem. But this is where I think it's really important to not try and be all things to all people um, and collaborate because that's where you will increase the outputs. Um, so we'll, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll help at that stage, but also then as the companies are scaling, it might be they need to speak to an expert in a certain area. It might be that they want some additional financial advice or real details about different, uh, different pricing models. You know, we, we've, we're coming out of the sort of real ownership into the 
um, subscription. Mm. You know that that's happened um, in in our lives with films and Netflix, and and it's happened in the life of. Um, technology and software. So, you know, how do people do those pricing? There'll be some really detailed questions that those scaling companies will need to do. And so therefore that sort of support is a lot more bespoke. Mm. Um, what is it they need? How can we use the power of the network to uh, find the people that they might want to talk to? Yeah, and there's a huge amount that you do, but like you say, you really focus on what you're good at and then you ha you, you've surrounded yourself with the right experts to be able to connect connect people if they need slightly different support than you offer directly yeah. in terms of your specialism. And, and you know, I always think that your network and networking is just so critical, but it can sometimes feel slightly awkward for a lot of people, especially earlier in their careers, it can feel a little bit, oh gosh, like, oh, I feel a, little, you know, a, bit, a bit like putting myself out to the world and it's all a little bit awkward and strange and um, it looks like I'm asking for a favour, whereas actually networking and connections is, is really what it's all about, isn't it? How have you changed personally with your sort of approach to networking and, and making sure you've got the, you're surrounded by the right people through your career, early career versus where you are now, would you say? I'd, it's really interesting, and, I, and I've heard you speak on networking before, and I, I totally agree that the power is in your network. Um, there's different ways to networking, and I think what's really important is, and I talk about sort of someone being um, uh, radiating and someone sort of um, hoovering um, things out. So I think it's really important if you are going to be in an organ, you know, you're going to be in a group of people and you're going to be talking to people and I'm naturally quite um, introverted. So you're going to put yourself out there, um, but you've got to share what you've got. Um, this isn't about sucking and, and hoovering out everything from that room. Mm. Um, it's about sharing the limited knowledge you have. Um, in some environments you might have more than others. You, you might just share some of the questions you're thinking about mm. that other experts in the room can answer. But I think it's really important to give. I think you, you know, giving is, is, a, is a wonderful thing to do. Um, I don't give to get. Um, uh, and so I think it's how you take yourself into those environments. I think um, I think we need to be really mindful about training people to network. Mm. Um, and we do put the emphasis um, on how important it is. It is absolutely building connections, um, but it is building them with generosity and with purpose. Mm. Um, and that's where I think it becomes very, very rich. Mm. Um, I've also just been very lucky in my life. Um, I've been in the right place at the right time. I've met some amazing people. And you're going to ask me later, what would I tell my younger self? Um, just be bold. You know, just say yes. Very few people expect you to know all of the answers when they ask you to do something. Um, and you learn on that journey. So, uh, yeah, I've just um, taken the opportunities that have been presented them. Presented. Have I gone out and found them? I think you have to get out of bed to make luck. So it's not going to come to you. Yeah, I was going to ask you actually, have you been lucky or actually is it that you've put yourself in the way of opportunity? And, and I, I'm, I'm a bit of a big, big believer in law of reciprocity and what you put out. If you put good out in the world, it will come back to you, but not in a giving to receiving sort of context. 
and I don't know, does luck exist or is it just that you've, you know, you've... you've oh, actually... I think it definitely does. does I've, it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I feel very, I feel very lucky and I feel very privileged. Yeah, yeah. And I think we are, we are, you know, we're lucky that we live in a developed society where we have a national health service, yeah. where we, we, we live in a democracy where we all have the right to vote and we yeah. can air our opinions freely. So I think you're absolutely right. We feel very, I'm, I feel very fortunate as well. But I also believe that when you put yourself out to the world in the right way and lead with value, lead with giving, um, the opportunities can come your way, but you don't want to be the best kept secret um, in the world because then you're doing a disservice actually by not putting yourself out in the world. I think, I think well. you can be a connector and a convener without actually having to be at the front of everything. Yes, yeah, 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 interesting, mm. really interesting. Maybe this is the, the and, and as an introvert, you said you're you know, a, self, a self-professed introvert, but you have a very public role to play. Yes, I do. So do you, how do you manage that? How do you reconcile that? Do you keep focused on what you're trying to achieve um, to give back and to lead, etc., and therefore have to get over your introversion? Or is it something to just embrace and go, I am me and I'm going to do the right thing and therefore that helps you? I think, look, I've been, I've been um, in the world of work for a long time, so I think you learn a lot through, through the way. <laughs> Um, but again, if you love what you do, you do it with a huge amount of joy um, and you do it with enthusiasm, uh, you bring lots of energy. So loving what I do is always something that I have um, sort of ensured. Um, and so therefore, you can be what you need to be for the people around you or for the task at hand. Mm. Um, and uh, it doesn't mean to say that I don't enjoy walking my dogs on the farm, um, which I absolutely love doing, you know, just on my own, maybe with a podcast and maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, I think, you know, I think we all develop over time. Mm-hmm. And just coming back to sort of the tech side of things, what are some of the edgy things that you're seeing coming down the track that you think, oh, this could be really interesting. Obviously, AI is, is, is you know, a hot topic right now. But I guess the advantage that you have in the position that you're, you're in is that you get to see some of this early, earlier stage tech that could really break down those boundaries. You talked about having a global impact and technology allows us to do that in a big way. So what are sort of some of the innovations coming down the line that you think um, could be could be interesting? I, I'm sure there are some that far more technical advanced people than me will know about. I think AI is the one we're all talking about. You know, yeah. this time last year when it hit, hit the market, um, it wasn't a conversation you would we would be having it wouldn't be a conversation that people would maybe have around the dinner table with their families um, so it's become a very um, it's become a very popular topic um, I think if we sort of go go back a bit you know we, we've had the iPhone in our lives for over 10 years um, can we imagine what it was like before that you know we now have a, a device in our pocket. Um, that is a calculator. It's a it's um, a camera. It's uh, you know it's your maps. It's it, it's it's so much. It's your financials. You're interacting with this all the time, and so I mean that that anxiety about your phone running out of charge. Um, um, but um, but I think what we're going to see with with AI and 
it's, it's how people are going to use it. It's the same way how people use the iPhone. The iPhone in itself was not the, the real sort of innovative um, sort of how can it how can it democratize how can it be how can it be tech for good um, and AI is going to be one of those tools that we need to embrace we do need to make sure that it is regulated and that we look at the ethics and that we make sure the people who are in um, in the world of developing it come from a diverse background because unless we have diversity of thinking we will have AI that is um, quite biased so I think it's really exciting. Where it's going to go, I don't know. Um, but I would just encourage everybody to test it, play with it. Don't be frightened about it. Um, it will change things. Um, but, I mean, how long have we had the internet now? 40, 50 years? Mm. Um, I think that's made a big difference to our lives. I think that really showed itself in COVID. Um, the fact that we can now um, FaceTime, we can connect with people, we were able to run businesses by going into those, you know, into that sort of online world. So I, I, yeah, I'm very positive about it, but mm. I don't know all of the technical things that are going to happen. I think we've seen we're seeing lots of embedded finance. Um, I think that's uh, got some real advantages. I think when it becomes really intelligent. It could most probably tell you where you are over-invested, under-invested, over-insured, under-insured. And I think that will be an amazing um, place to be to help you make those informed decisions. Yeah, it's powerful. Mm. Certainly Very powerful. powerful. Like we say, we don't know where it's going to, which path it's going to lead us down. No. But certainly, I think embrace it, trial it, yeah. have a go, have a play is, is a really good advice. And actually, you know, you, you do get two sides to every coin, don't you? Oh, well, you know, this is going to destroy certain sectors or certain businesses or certain business models but hey you know so did the car over the horse and car you know and actually what will end up is a whole bunch of other sectors industries that will be created as a result you know so i think sometimes people are fearful aren't they of tech that it's going to get rid of jobs and that's that right and the, and there most probably will be jobs that will change yeah. will evolve may no longer exist um but I'm, I'm a believer that those are the jobs that most probably aren't as satisfying. So I'm a total optimist, um, and I think you know, it will give us more time to spend with our families. It will give us more time to spend with our children. I think it will give us um, more time to enjoy the things that we want to do. We heard this morning that, um, you know, is it going to question what is what is a human being? What is what is the role that a human being um, actually is is evolving into? You know, mm. lots of people are identified by their job, um, by their work. Um, is that going to be the case? So I think it's exciting. I think it's uh, to be embraced, um, but it's certainly changing, and it's changing quickly. Well, that's the one thing, isn't it? We can guarantee that change is the one constant in life and in business. So, you know, get over it. It's going to happen. Well, I think it's also building, as I said, you know, that mental toughness. Mm. I think it's building resilience. Um, resilience is something I have seen in Welsh people uh, more than I ever realised it. Um, and I think, you know, this is a this is a region that has had to adapt um, and has had to sort of develop. You know, depended hugely on coal and steel and those things have evolved so I think um, those are the areas where 
as technology um, improves and grows, I think we need to be thinking about the human side of things. We need to be understanding and growing our emotional um, intelligence. Um, I talk about neuroscience. I really believe in neurodiversity. I'm highly, highly dyslexic. Um, so I won't absorb my information in the same way as anybody else will. Um, so I think we, we've just got to embrace all of that. But I think bringing um, that understanding to everybody is different. No two brains are the same comes back to not everybody will always hear the words in which you are sort of saying them. Um, and, and so we just need to be much more understanding. And maybe we might then have a more harmonious uh, world to live in. Yeah, absolutely. We are all perfectly imperfect. That's what I always say. We are. We are. <laughs> but, you know, as a, we talked a, bit, a little bit earlier around diversity, equity and inclusion, and, you know, we, we touched on, you know, gender tends to get the biggest focus, gender gender diversity, but as we well know, it's, it's diversity, equity, inclusion of all shapes, sizes, you know, cultural, LGBTQ+, social mobility, I think is a really important mm -hmm. thing as well. Um, you know, so, so when you look at DEI, how does sort of fintech help act as create a more level playing field, do you think? Well, I think um, fintech, which is, un, which is underpinned by tech, mm. um, makes things more accessible. So when, when I look at um, EDI, I, I look at I look at equity, um, and I think we, we saw a big focus on this earlier on this year with International Women's Day, which looked at equity. And if we look at it from that perspective, you know, we can, we can say that we're going to give everybody, um, we're going to give everybody a, a piece of tech, or let, let's make it more simple. We're going to ensure that everybody has a pair of shoes. That's great, but everybody's got different size feet. So how do we make sure they have got the right shoes for them? They might have, um, you know, they might, might need, they might be a slightly imbalanced individual. So you might need a higher shoe on one side and not on the other. You might need something that you might have weak ankles. You might need, so how do we make sure that when we are providing things, we are actually being equitable to people? And I think if we frame inclusion from that perspective, um, then I think we will, come up with much, the solutions we come up with will be more inclusive to everybody. Um, I, I, I'm far, far, far from perfect, as you said, perfectly imperfect. Mm -hmm. um, but what I really embrace is people helping me understand the lived experiences I can't even begin to understand. And those lived experiences will go from you know, from all different extremes. I mean, I'll never have the lived experience of a, you know, high Hollywood star. I mean, we're, again, we're at the ICC. We had the BAFTAs here last night. So we had all the great and the good um, from, the, from the world of film and entertainment. That's a life I will never understand um, in the same way that I won't understand um, the life of somebody who might be visually impaired, for example. So embracing those conversations to, to to learn as much as you can, respect that they are different, and then have those conversations to see how we can enable and ensure equity 
I think is um, is the way that we will bring into whether it's financial services, um, services that can serve more people. Um, some of the things that we did when we were building the um, the Challenger Bank Starling Mobile Bank, um, and of course I'm very proud to have been part of that team. There was a huge team there. It was you know, driven by um, amazing vision um, from its founder, Anne. That really looked at what the consumer wanted and how fin and tech and the modern world could deliver that, um, make it easier for people to uh, interact. And one of the things, we, we developed many, many things. Um, and so it's, 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 a more, um, it's a more visual, um, a sort of view of your finances. Mm. That's very helpful to somebody like me who's going to look at pictures and integrate with them a lot more. Um, you know, it's very interactive, it's uh, very intuitive and it's got the notifications. So it's really helping you manage your financial life. But one of the things that we developed, what, and again, by listening to clients and customers and customers' needs, we developed something called a gambling block. So we, we heard from people who were struggling um, they were they were struggling this addiction. They wanted some help to manage that. Um, and from a conversation with somebody who brought their problem, really listening to that problem, going out and researching it and understanding it a little bit more. And there's an organisation called Money and Mental Health, um, which is uh, funded by Martin Lewis to look at how money affects your mental health. And we tested some of these ideas with them. We built a gambling block. And the gambling block allows the customer to control whether they do or don't spend their money in that way. And it has cooling off periods and it's really respectful uh, to the user, but that puts the control in the user's hands. Um, so that's where we can see technology um, helping a broader range of people. Um, we've got a great example here with one of the fintechs in uh, Wales, an organization called Wealthify, which will allow people who want to invest just a pound to go into that sort of wealth management and investing. Not something you would normally have thought about. You thought, I don't know how much people think they need to have before they start investing, but you can start investing with a pound and that means that you start saving and that means that you, know, you might have greater opportunities opened up to you. So that democratization is what it really is allowing and I think that's that is making it more equitable to to all people, all diversities. That's a great perspective. I love that actually. They're both those examples. Uh, it's it's really grassroots stuff, isn't it? But it's listening, it's understanding what's the problem, how can we help solve that problem? And um, yeah, I think that's that's fantastic. But all, underpinning that, doing the right thing, making a fairer world for people that need it. Well, that's 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 the that's the desire. Yes, we won't get it all right. But it's the good intention. Mm, but better to do something than nothing, right? Well, look, I, I always say it's better to try and fail yeah. and learn from your failure than never try at all. Yeah. Never try in the first place. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, as long as, as long as you're not going to do something that's life-threatening, um, and very few things are. Yeah, yeah. So it's much better to fail, and we do learn. We learn much more from failing. You know, the whole growth mindset. You've spent a long time working with that, I know. But yeah, learn by what you, um, what you, yeah, where your failures are. Yeah, definitely. Give it a go. You know, better to try than to think, oh, what if? 
maybe I should have given it a go. And I think that that's it, you know, something I'm really passionate about because I think every single person has greatness, don't they, in them. It's Absolutely. just how do you unlock that? How do you surround yourself with the right support network and the right people and the right inspiration to give it a go? You know, and I think, unfortunately, a lot of people, they have these dreams, they have these great ideas and they don't, they just can't, for whatever reason, sort of take the action in order to see what may have been. And that's a great shame. Um, so I think anything we can do to inspire, help, encourage people to, you know, if they've got a great idea, give it a go. If it doesn't work, at least you'll have learned something. Well, I think, I think there are two words that you can control, if and only. And if you use those um, in the, oh, if only I had, if I, no one stopped you. And if they did, why did you not push back? So those are two words that you control in your life and I think you need to be really comfortable with the decisions that you make and you can change your mind a little bit later but you made a decision at the time that was right for you. So if and only are under your control and I think if you remember that then you'll embrace a lot of opportunities that could be brilliant, some of them might not be so brilliant. Um, but certainly when I look back at my career and it's a, it, it, you know, I feel, feel um, you can, you can do it retrospectively. I wouldn't have designed my career like this. You know, I, 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 I've got to this stage in my life and I'm now confident to say I don't have a formal education. Um, I have uh, a couple of O-levels. Um, I happen to work for a great company that put me through uh, an MBA, which was fantastic. Um, but I, you know, I don't have a whole raft of academic qualifications. Um, and there's that book, isn't there, that calls it's called The Squiggly Career. Um, if I look backwards, I can justify everything that I did. But at the time, I didn't know where it was going to take me. I just said, yeah, I'll give it a go. Mm, yeah, and, that, and that's so inspiring. You know, you're sitting here, and this is the thing, isn't it? Because people will say, oh, look at you, you know, CEO, and you've got this big job, and you've had this big impact, and all these amazing things. And like you say, you know, you sort of, we're all figuring it out as we go, as we go along. We're all figuring know? it out. And... You know, let's not let's not make it all sound rosy yeah. because it takes a lot of hard work. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot of um, investment. It takes a lot of time. Um, things don't they don't always come that easily. Um, so yeah, I've definitely put in the hours. Yeah, I'm sure you have. <laughs> well, lots to say and easy come, easy go, right? So you know, I think really, if, if something is uh, is worth having, it, it does take effort, and you're going to get knocked back. You're going to fail at things, but hey, you know, at the end, it should all be worth it. And yeah, really, I think so. You know, you're sitting here having had a, a, an illustrious, fabulous career done a lot of good in the world and you know but have been through your own kind of you know troughs and as well with with various things so it's great to share your authentic story I think that's what I really like that's kind of me thank conversation. you so when you look back and you've given loads of great pieces of advice throughout this conversation which has been wonderful can you think of the best piece of advice that you've been given through your career or your personal life in general I, th I think um most probably two things for me and like like many people i've had the absolute privilege and fortune of meeting great people having great friends um mentors coaches um colleagues um but, but there's two things that were very much instilled in me from a younger age from my parents it's not a surprise you know my father very much told me you you know just 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 keep questioning um uh, just keep talking to you know keep to and he he taught me 
that um, conversational skill. Um, and just adding to that, my father-in-law, who is equally uh, a wise man, said, there's no silly question. Um, and often, if you feel your question is a silly question, there's someone else in the room who wanted to ask it. So that's certainly one of the, one of the things that has driven me. I think the other one is, um, you know, being, uh, being brave uh, and being prepared to fail. And failure is, is, is a learning curve. Um, so you will come out stronger. Mm, yeah, brilliant. Well, this obviously held you in good stead all these years. <laughs> Both of those amazing pieces of advice. They're fantastic. And, you know, this year, is a, it's an interesting year. There's a lot going on in your world, clearly. Can you, if you were to describe this year in a word, can you think of, think of what oh. that word may be? Or one that jumps to mind? Gosh, that's a put me on the spot if not, question. We can come back to it. We can come back to I've it. I've got absolutely no <laughs> idea. What does that? What do, I, 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 I don't know. Um, I, I, I'm going to struggle to put it into one word. Don't you? And worry. that's unusual for me. I can normally say <laughs> things in very few words. But well, maybe, I will start mulling it over. Maybe it will come back to you. So, who's been the biggest influence in your life? Would you say, Sarah? Um, I've had the, I really have had the privilege of having some amazing, um, some amazing people I've worked with, worked for, met. Um, so it would be really wrong to start shouting out one because you would forget. Um, but the, the grounds and the foundations were set by my parents, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, you know, I have an amazing husband who is my dearest and best friend. I've got two children who keep me um, keep me grounded, and I'm really grateful to them. Um, I was telling you a story earlier on about uh, being in a very pressurized situation, but also trying to sort out one of my children operating a washing machine. So you know, they keep me very grounded, um, and, and I love them for that. And so those are the those are the things I think that have formed me and keep informing me mm. because. We never stop learning, right? Always. Every day is a school day. Absolutely. <laughs> I love that. So, brave, bold, brilliant. The three words, um, three Bs. What does that mean to you when you hear that? It's actually very daunting because they're quite um, they're quite out there words, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. um, look, I think being brave is something that I have always told myself to be brave. You know, take the leap. It's never going to be that bad. You won't die. Um, so I think it's, it's trying something, taking the opportunity, knowing sometimes you will fail, but you will come back stronger from it. So that to me is, is the, the brave part. I think, you know, being bold again, it is taking a deep breath and just going for it. And very, very few occasions is it anywhere near as scary as we initially think or we build ourselves up to. So, um, so those are the two things. Now, as far as the brilliance is concerned, I think if you are brave and if you are bold, the brilliance can come. So I can't attribute brilliance to me because that's not a word that I, I feel I can... I hope by being brave and being bold, some brilliance has happened somewhere for somebody. 
fabulous. What a way to finish. Thank you, Sarah. It's been absolute joy, honestly. Thank you so much. No, thank you. As I said, thank you for coming to Wales and actually doing it in person yeah. um, and here at the ICC. We made it happen. We see, made it we happen. Made it happen. And hopefully we'll, uh, we'll also attach to this the picture with the dragon. Oh, yes, the dragon. So thank you very much. I really hope you've enjoyed Brave, Bold, Brilliant. Don't forget to subscribe and share with all your friends. And if you've enjoyed listening, I'd love it if you'd leave me a five-star review.